This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Gazinta Mobius, the easiest way for ConnectWise Manage and QuickBooks Online to connect. Keep invoices, expenses, and inventory automatically updated right from Manage to QuickBooks Online and payments right back into Manage. With simple pricing, set it and forget it auto sync, Gazinta Mobius delivers with no restrictions on the number of invoices, expenses, and payments, and plays well with others like Connect Booster. Trusted by over a thousand MSPs, now introducing a free plan. Go to gazinta.com slash Mobius and tell them Carl sent you. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl, and I have a very special guest today. Janet Shines is the CEO and Digital Ninja, which is actually harder to say than it looks like on paper. Digital Ninja of JS Group, a leading go-to-market consultancy in the technology industry. She's the former executive, uh, for a former executive at Motorola, Verizon, and Office Depot. She's the founder of Tech Worlds Half, a not-for-profit dedicated to keeping women in the technology industry. So we have pretty much everything to talk about here. We sure do. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Great to be on. So with all of these highfalutin jobs at Motorola and so forth, why did you decide that you wanted to um, start the JS Group? Oh my gosh. So it's funny. Um, and I've known you so long. So it's, by the way, I, I wanted to open up by saying long time listener, first time, you know, caller. Um, <laughs> that's how it feels right now. Um, well, but, <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things that uh, some folks don't know about me is I actually started my career in the industry consulting. So I had JS Group dot, you know, 1.0 before I sold out mm-hmm. uh, and went to uh, Motorola as part of the symbol acquisition. So people sometimes forget that it was always in my blood. Uh, being an entrepreneur, running a small business, coming from a family of small business uh, uh, owners you know, corporate was great. And it was very, very good to me. And I will forever love all the experiences and all the people. But my heart has always been in running my own business. It helped me uh, demonstratively in corporate because I would think like an entrepreneur, right? So I would always look at the problem differently than a corporate person would look at the problem. Um, And so I was just thrilled to come back and be able to come back into the channel and the industry at a time when frankly, there's so much disruptive change that I think I can be part of the change agents that ensure uh, that we deliver on our mission at JS Group, which is a very simple three words, save the channel. Because I do believe that the channel is the most relevant uh, go-to-market and and of the most help to people in the small business community, right? Is that local uh, partner that they have a a, relationship with. So I like that, save the channel. Save the channel, Um, our whole mission statement. So, I have to tell you this. So you probably missed a blog post I wrote about you in 2009. Really? So let me just do the flashback. We'll put some harp music in here. So I was at the CompTIA breakaway and you gave the keynote. And that was 2009. So it's like we're in the recession. Yeah. recession. And you said, 
Are you willing to make the claim that your business is only doing well because of the economy? No? Well, then you can't make the claim that your business is only doing poorly because of the economy. And this is, to me, is one of the most profound things I've ever heard with my own ears live. <laughs> I remember this uh, event. I was very new uh, to my Motorola job. And I remember, fun fact, our corporate legal person saying, as long as that doesn't have our brand on it, you can say whatever you want. And me saying, okay, because I was still very much an entrepreneur, right? And so uh, they were lovely and let me get away with that. So, well, I think I, I, I seriously think that it's a genius concept, right? Because really? so many people want to be able to whine, oh, of course I'm doing poorly because everybody's poor, doing poorly, blah, blah, blah. And I think about like today, you know, there's, there's a, not, not in IT as so much as in other businesses. There are companies that are not doing well and they want to blame the economy instead sure. of blaming the fact that they didn't pivot or do something different or try a new thing, right? I think uh, of the restaurants, how many restaurants pivoted instantly and are now delivering like crazy, even though they've got a huge, you know, seating area. So. Right. Or, or you think about that, uh, that restaurant, oh gosh, I don't remember where it was, but somewhere out in the Midwest and they said, bring your own tent. Right. <laughs> And they had record sales because people were like, this is cool. Like, bring your own tent and we'll serve you food in your own tent in our parking lot. And people, it became an adventure. And so, yes, I know COVID has been horrific, right, for some business categories. But you're right. As a business owner, um, if you're not going to take responsibility for the tough times, then you can't take ownership that you were so genius in the good times. Right. Because then you weren't. Then it was just an all boats rise at high tide. Exactly. So, um, I mean, at some level, it's kind of like the stock market. We're all geniuses <laughs> when it's going up. <laughs> yeah. Right now, we're all good at home equity, too. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, it's funny you bring this up. So I had this conversation the other day uh, with a business owner, and they were bemoaning, you know, and they're in some vertical uh, areas where, you know, business has been a little rough. And we started talking about, well, you know, COVID did this and COVID did that, or the economy did this, the economy did that. And, and I really, and I believe this truly, uh, you're getting kind of a preview into my keynote for this coming year, but you know, the digital transformation had already happened. We are now firmly in the digital normal. And if you failed to get there before we had this crisis, you were already behind. Right. So, you know, this, is just the reality. Now, if you were lucky enough to be able to invest and catch up, good for you. Um, but you know, this is this is our new normal. It's just it's too late to say I'm going to embrace digital now. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, less than 10% of small business owners in any industry are in the top three natural search results for the very business solutions, or products, or offers that they bring to the market. And the cost to be in the top three is zero. It's just knowledge. It's just understanding how to do it. Google gives credit for you being local and people don't optimize their own website for local search. Right. So, you know, these kinds of things, this is on you as a business owner to, to, to learn these things and to realize that this is the age we live in. Yeah, it's interesting. So in my community, early on, one of the classes that we offered was... Uh, how to grab a hold of the metadata in Google and claim your own identity. 
Yeah. It's like, it's the most simple thing in the world. I know. <laughs> you get 30 points for it out of a hundred, by the way, out of your domain of 30, 30 points. So. Right. Well, and, and then they, they pick whatever picture they got from some truck that drove by in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. And goodness forbid that you have a non-physical, you know, any business that started after April of 2020, uh, has a non-physical location. So goodness forget that because they don't know what to pin, pin on you. Right. So a lot of people it's the UPS started, store, right? Right, right. So it, you really, you know, put your own images up, put your own description up, be the captain of your own ship. So let's, uh, let's take a step back and talk about the JS group. So sure. what is it and what do you do for a living? So it is a conglomerate of some really smart people that have spent a good amount of time, some more than others, uh, in, in the technology industry and who have really made a career out of helping channel partners and helping uh, technology companies figure out a way to get solutions into customers' hands. We are go-to-market experts. We look at how do you get that product, solution, et cetera, integrated, ingested, sold, and out to the end user customers who need it. We are channel champions. So we are very, you know, very, very focused on the indirect channel of distribution. Um, but we also have a very strong digital practice and we do work with direct teams, you know, throughout the industry because what's true about anything and whether you're a technologist or you're selling hot dogs by the side of a stadium, um, having the customer journey and understanding when the customer is going to buy and where they're going to buy is something that you have to pay attention to. And that's what we do for a living. We really understand how are you going to, sounds trite, but just exactly how are you going to sell that to somebody? Um, <laughs> and by the way, you know, two times out of 10 have to come back and say, yeah, as it is right now, you couldn't sell that to anybody. Right. Um, right. And so, and then the other part of the practice that we do is we have a very, very robust digital practice. We have a, the leading uh, social selling program to retrain salespeople uh, how to work in today's digital normal world. We have a very, very strong marketing and marketing agency practice to do the very same thing. So, you know, as we talk about, hey, how do you sell? How do you get there? You know, then it becomes how do you activate on it? And so we, uh, you know, we practice what we preach or drink our own champagne. Uh, <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. Drink our own champagne. Yeah, we don't eat our own dog food. That's, That's much that. better than eating your own dog food. So <laughs> I actually know somebody in a very large marketing uh, agency that might want to steal that. I'll, I'll tell him he's got to pay you royalties if he does. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. It's not, you know, tell him 25 cents a use. I'll be good. <laughs> very cool. So, um, with this, uh, you know, COVID and obviously everybody's staying at home and so forth, how do you think that's changed or how it should have changed for most of the larger uh, MSPs that are out there? You know, this has been a game of um, have and have not. Uh, and many uh, MSPs had some pretty big project work still, right? Or they had customers who they had as a managed IT customer who were in the industry where all of a sudden, you know, travel, hospitality, right, entertainment. Um, and so we are really seeing the have and have not. So we're seeing some MSPs are having record growth. Um, they had invested in digital. They were trusted for that. 
They had a strong practice in things like unified communication as a service, video conferencing, security, remote work. Um, they were trusted and quite frankly, they were lucky enough to have customers that were in the right industry, an industry that could keep going and, and potentially even grow. Healthcare. Right. Ah, technology. Right? Well, and a lot of the professional industries were not really well, affected much at all by this. No, in fact, did better. Um, you know, the, because of more productive employees and the time to actually get certain things done they'd never been able to do before. And think about a whole legion of people, not in cars, not on planes, not on trains. It's, it's extra hours, right? So uh, particularly those that bill for advice, consulting firms, you know, those kinds of, they actually have done better. So, you know, those MSPs that were serving the right verticals um, and who had clients in the right um, areas, relying on them for the right solutions are growing. So they're growing, uh, we're seeing somewhere between six to 11% growth for those, um, the have nots. So they either had really difficult customer sets, you know, maybe they, uh, they were an MSP and uh, poor beleaguered uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey, right? Where, you know, the casinos shut and the restaurants went and, you know, um, or uh, they just had not advanced their practices to be able to offer enough things that were remote. And so um, those declined and we're seeing seven to 9%. And, and those were really primarily the MSPs who had a smaller portion recurrent revenue, a little more project revenue. And as I said before, had the wrong customers. And what happened is, as the other MSPs were getting swamped with phone calls, right? Swamped with new business. They were getting swamped with, hey, I've got to lay off half of my people, so I need to take my contract down. It's not 100 right. days or 50. Um, and they didn't pivot. They didn't do the one thing um, in the first 90 days that they needed to do. In my humble opinion, they needed to market. <laughs> Right. They needed to take yep. a hard look and say, oops, I don't have the right customer. Well, and it's a classic mistake. When do you stop marketing? Oh, when things begin to start turning in the wrong direction, which is exactly the opposite. Exactly the wrong time. You should double down. Right. It's kind of like if you had a dollar left and, you know, and you needed something that was ten dollars. Well, the only thing you could try to do is make that dollar worth ten dollars not save the dollar, right? right? So, <laughs> so that, you know, that's where I think many of the MSPs, um, they stuck with existing clients. This is going to sound really not nice of me. They stuck with existing clients who were not going to pay right? way too long trying to help. And well, they didn't go out and get new clients. I, you know, I agree with you. And I've, I've said it many times and people don't like to hear this, but you can't build a business on people who can't afford you. That's right. Or don't want to afford you. Or don't, or, yeah, or choose right. not to afford you. Yeah. Right. The interesting right. thing is, and I, I actually just said this recently on the, the Killing It podcast with Dave and Ryan. I think it's amazing how one of the things that's happened here is that a lot of clients who had reluctantly spent money on IT are suddenly happily spending money on IT. Yes. They, it's like, wait, you can set me up from home and my entire team and we have, you know, great bandwidth and good uptime and it's secure, and, right? Yeah, Everything just works. Holy smokes. Here's my Holy wallet. Smokes. Take what you need. <laughs> right. And I think that's where the uh, the MSPs that have grown and, and doesn't care. I don't care what you call yourself, an MSP, an SI, uh, uh, whatever, whatever, uh, potato, potato. Um, <laughs> 
so um, what we did see though, and it was, it's fascinating. So the MSPs who have struggled really functioned on a, let me permit you to work from home. Let me try to help you work from home. And those that have succeeded said, let me enable work from home. Let me make it better. Yeah. Um, and you see this in investment money too, in the VCs, what are they investing in? They're investing in companies that are augmenting remote work that are doing things that would let you be better than you would be. Um, and you see that everywhere from AR, VR to augmented AI to there's just, I mean, I was on yesterday with a company that can go through all of your email and your CRM of choice and figure out why customers actually bought based on what actually happened. And then assign points values to it and have your salespeople earn enough points that their sales probability of selling goes sky high. Um, and they're doing that through AI and through robotics. That's amazing. Right? So it's amazing that some of the things that are out there, you just have to stand back and say, wow. So if I, as a partner, didn't say, look, you can't have your sales team, your, you know, your telemarketing sales team in a bench of seats anymore. How do I augment to make sure that they're actually doing the right stuff when they're remote and make them better, make them more productive, put this AI in and guess what? They'll get the clues popping right up, telling them what to do that got, you know, got the next sale for somebody versus, oh, let me see if I can get you some headsets. You know, it's it's interesting in the early years of computer consulting, quote unquote, uh, we used to call ourselves solution providers and do things like, hey, let me show you how you can scan stuff, how you can go paperless, how you can do all this amazing stuff to increase your productivity, increase your profit, da, 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 da. And then we somehow evolved into installation specialists. Let me set up a new monitor and let me, let me set up a, you know, a telephone system for you. It's like, okay, that's hardly the same as solution provider. And I think right. those who have always done well have always been solution providers. I agree. And, you know, I have a, like an intellectual crush on uh, Amy Babinchek, who I'm sure you know well. Oh, I work with her all the time. <laughs> love her. Okay. I have such an intellectual crush on her. And she, you know, look at what she does with teams and how she gets on and does teams training and how you can, I have learned so much from her about how to use a platform that most partners would just say, here's your licenses, right? Good luck with that. And by the way, it shows in her business. Her business is growing. It's always growing. Oh, yeah. Why? Because she's a solution provider. Well, what I love about Amy is she doesn't ever see problems. She just sees a path. That's right. Uh, she was making a presentation, I don't know, at the beginning of the, all of this. And uh, and she said, well, I needed to grow my company. And I wanted, to, I think she said, I wanted to double it, you know. And so I found myself having these conversations with clients. And then she starts going on about the, the conversation with clients. And I'm like, wait, stop. You skipped over what everybody thinks is the biggest problem. How did you sit yourself down in front of prospects who became your brand new clients? Like you skipped. Right, you skipped the how to get them, yeah. And she's like, I just did it, you know? You know, and she's got details, of course, but you know, that's that attitude of, I'm just going to go do the things that make you successful instead of talking about it. (laughs) And I always have these conversations with people. So how many people did you reach out to yesterday? And how many of them 
did you make it and how many of them did you and, and and what content did you post that people would say hmm she seems interesting i should probably follow her um and i will tell you i've built a career on this i've built a career on being a quote-unquote influencer so you know i just won yesterday i just found out yesterday i won one of the top 10 women with the biggest impact in the technology industry for 2020 Congratulations. And thank you. It's a lovely honor. But what I tell people is part of how you win that honor is because you have influence. I'm always out there. I'm having conversations. I'm talking. I'm posting on. And by the way, I'm a big fan of social media, keeping that brand alive. Right. And so when people go, huh, you know what? I don't really know how to go get after this channel. Well, names come to mind for them. Right. Who do you think of? And so if you're not out there, where your clients are consuming their news, where your clients are having their conversations, talking to who your clients are talking to, how will you get new business? Well, but so here's a question, is that fair? Because for example, I, I don't pay a lot of attention to SEO. Instead, I write 150 blog posts a year and, <laughs> and that produce videos go. and you know what I mean? I, right. I produce the actual content rather than trying to game the system. Right. And that's fair too. But right? most people, I mean, 99% of them don't want to write blog posts and don't want to make videos. And they, you know, they, so that's my question is, is it a fair criticism? Because it most is. people don't have it built into their bones to be out there writing blog posts. And, and that's fair. And you don't have to write blog posts. You can merely, you know, most of our industry communicates on LinkedIn, right? So you know, a nice post talking about whatever you've learned today, whatever you've seen today. By the way, you can pay someone to do this. I have a whole roster of writers at JS Group that are the social media content person for names that you love in the industry. <laughs> Channel leaders that you love what they're saying, someone is writing for them and it's not super expensive. So that's the first thing, right? You can get content. By the way, you can go and get a Fiverr, that's F-I-V-E-R-R, Fiverr.com. Love Fiverr, yeah. And for $15 or $20, you can have somebody write you 15 or 20 posts for Twitter or LinkedIn. So I, I always say, listen, just don't get your Starbucks for a month and you can have somebody write content for you. What's <laughs> your priority? Coffee pot and somebody writing, writing content for you? Because I've never met a business that's too small to afford it. Right. Well, and part of it is it, first is you decide you're going to do it, and then suddenly you're, you you'll find the money. It's yep, I mean, you'll find the money or the time. And by the way, video is the same thing. If you put on your Zoom or just put on the camera inherent in your computer, you know, just just type in the search bar camera, it'll come up. You can video yourself. <laughs> always shocked how few people know that. Or use your your phone. Um, and you just start doing some simple conversational videos and posting them. You don't have to be a video star. Nobody's looking for that, especially right now when you can't get to a studio. People just want authentic people having authentic conversations. So write down 20 things that you wish everybody knew about the technology you sell and just do one a day, a, a one minute video. Like the other day, I, I love that. I'm I, really, I'm very addicted to YouTube some days. And there's this gentleman, and I can't for the life of me think of his name, but he just does these hacks with PowerPoint. Like things you didn't know you could do and how to do them in PowerPoint. And the other day I learned how to make a PowerPoint in portrait. So you could make basically like a Word document, but in a PowerPoint so that it would be ah. like, 
like, ha, right. And so, you know, the, that kind of thing, he's, he wasn't high quality, right. It was like some guy on a zoom, but it, it was good. So I think just be you be authentic and you can be popular. Right. Well, what's interesting about YouTube is that content absolutely is king. When you yeah. find like you get into a new hobby or you want to learn something that you just didn't know, you'll find yourself watching these things where it's some guy just literally like sets his cell phone down and then in the background, yeah. he goes over there and starts working on something. And you're like, okay, you couldn't have spent any less time or effort on this video, but, but, but the information I, I needed. Right, it's the answer I need. And you know, I, I think, and it's, it's funny because I think as technologists, sometimes we forget that people are fine with it. The next generation is fine with it. They're recording them, they're, you know, their nostrils while they're in the car, right? Like, you know, they're not real, like, okay, is it framed perfectly? Um, and, and so I think that there's that, that just forgiving yourself and just getting out there and having the conversation. And then, you know, if I still haven't convinced you that you should get out there. Um, <laughs> if you've ever seen the, uh, the play, the Broadway play Wicked, there's a yep. line in it where she sings a song about what the great leaders of the world had in common. Were they smart? No. Were they athletic? No. Right. All these things. What were they? They were popular. <laughs> and it always struck me funny when I heard it saying, but true, they were popular. And so if you don't want to have to prospect for business, your option is to become popular so that people will come and find you. So you decide it's cold calls or daily content. Right. Which one are you more comfortable with? Oh, and I think most people want that inbound traffic, but they have to realize something has to go out, <laughs> even if it's, you know, content. Right. Uh, so I don't know if you ever heard of Sean Cannell, but he teaches like YouTube techniques yeah. and whatever. His, my favorite saying of his is punch fear in the face and push the record button. I just I love that. Do it. <laughs> love that. So my dad was like a. My dad was started JS Group One with me, uh, you know, back in the day. And my dad used to uh, have a saying, and I think it was borrowed from someone, but it was whenever somebody would say, "Well, you know," and I didn't, I didn't, or I couldn't, you know, whatever. And he would say, "You know what, buddy? If you wink at somebody in the dark, you might know what you're doing, but they're never going to catch on." <laughs> And that was always his comment about why you needed to get out there, right? Because if you wink at somebody in the dark, only you know what you're doing. Exactly. So, and I think that's what a lot of partners do, right? They have these amazing competencies. They're doing fantastic things. They have a level of expertise that's unmatched. And well, and that's the other thing is, I think most people don't realize that in fact, they do have this expertise. Their clients don't come to them because they're good looking, trust me. Right. They're, they're, I've been to these conferences, right? Me too. The, the, your clients come to you because they're like, oh, you understand all of the zeros and ones. And, you know, you know what a TCP IP is. And, right. right? And right. clients literally don't want to know that stuff. People always worry like clients are going to go do this for themselves. Like clients don't want to do this. They don't want to do this for themselves. <laughs> and they couldn't do it as well as you could. And so when you, when you don't talk about that, you're only hurting yourself. And so again, I, I just always tell clients the same thing, channel partners, particularly, would you like to make a hundred cold calls a day so that you can double your business? Or would you like to spend 15 minutes a day putting some content somewhere where people could find you? And invariably, 
our whole industry is a group of people that didn't ask anybody to go to the prom. So invariably they're like, oh, I really don't want to make cold calls. So, okay, I'll, I'll do content. I'm going to take door number two. Um, well, and I, I have sold a whole bunch in my lifetime and I have always hated cold calling. I just like, I literally won't do it. And every time somebody tells me, well, you know, there's a simple answer. You can pick up the phone call phone and ask somebody for their money. I'm like, eh, yeah, except I won't. No, so. and, and there are people that are genius. Will Harris, I think he's written. Will Power Harris is what he goes by. I think he's written like seven books on prospecting. He's never met a stranger, right? He's like, he is intensely good at it. And he can make you better at it, but he can't make you want to do it. Right. You know, that's, a, that's an innate personality trait. Um, and I don't really want to do it either. So I've always felt it was better to try to drive traffic towards me. So we are shockingly almost out of time. How do folks get in touch with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Oh, there's so many ways. But if you're on Twitter, uh, very easy. Just send me a DM. I'm at Channel Smart uh, on LinkedIn. My name is exactly what it is, Janet Shines. Uh, or uh, you can always, and this will always shock people, my cell phone is 908-883-2020. That's 908-883-2020. I'm a cell phone person, I'm a rising, rising gal uh, here from way back. Uh, big T-Mobile fan right now. So people have been asking me, so I have to acknowledge. <laughs> uh, where I where I like what's going on in the industry, but that cell phone's always on, and just text me, and I'll get back to you. Very cool. So, um, all right. So, a couple minutes left. So, if you had to have somebody, you know, I don't know, pick one thing to get started with, would it be YouTube, or would it be LinkedIn, or would it be posts on a, a page on Facebook? So where do you depends. start? So much depends on your end user customer. Right. So if you're small business, it's going to be Facebook or Twitter, depending on what industry you're in. If you're um, anything above micro small all the way through enterprise, it's going to be LinkedIn. And where you want to start is with your profile. You want to get a profile that, you know, get a good, you have a good picture. It has a good description. It appeals to people. Put, don't worry about your company page. People don't buy from companies. People buy from people. Invest in you. You're the hero. Pick a hero. If it's not you, pick one of your salespeople, pick a marketing leader, take a hero and elevate the hero, right? Don't worry about the you uh, in, in, the in the company way. So that's the very first thing I would do. And then post every day, Monday through Friday, and be consistent onto what your platform is. And then the magic formula is that you want to do two kind of personal or interest kind of posts for every one post about your solution or your business, because you don't want to become kind of a foghorn. Right. right. So I'll talk about women in technology. I'll talk about trends happening in the industry. And maybe once every three or four for me, I, I, I'm pretty uh, uh, sparse in that. I'll promote something JS Group is doing um, because people want to buy from people. They get to know you as a person. They follow you because they like what you're talking about. It doesn't right. have to be about your company. It can be about football. Um, although I'd be out of post in like three minutes because I don't know anything about <laughs> it. Um, but I'm good at hockey. It's going to be about hockey. Uh, and you will quickly build a following. Now, what's interesting is on every platform, having a fully completed profile that's updated earns you points in the algorithm. And then posting content daily earns you more points, which means then you come at the front of people's feeds. You know, ever notice how you see the same people all the time when you dial good yeah. on 
and, and they've always got a new post. It's not like yesterday. Got a new post because they're consistently posting their profiles up to date. They're playing with the algorithm. And finally, just for you guys, special secret tip. <laughs> if you type a long enough post that people have to hit the more, so that works on LinkedIn and Facebook, the algorithm double rewards you. And come up more likely will come up at the top of people's feeds because you're keeping people on the platform. Don't don't push them away from the platform. Don't send them out to the right. web, right? Put all your content in what you're posting. And then at the very end of it, you can put a link to your website, et cetera, et cetera. But if you do a little short post with a link and people click it and go away, they punish you for that. Ah. So there you go. That's some fast tips. An important safety tip. Important safety tip. Buckle up, people. Very good. All right. Janet Shine from the JS Group. Thanks for being with us. This is Carl, and this has been yet another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.